<laughs> All the Purdue fans. <laughs> See, it just shows you there ain't very many Purdue fans. There's only like three of you clapping. <laughs> All right, so that was, if you didn't know, so last year Indiana won, and so we played the Indiana fight song. So I got some texts and some personal uh, calls yesterday that said, listen, you knew what you said. Like, if Purdue wins, you got to play the fight song. So we're honoring that uh, today. So uh, let me talk first about the Forge video, because uh, the cool thing about the Forge video is it fits in with the series that we're doing called Living Legacy. Um, and so when I watched it earlier in the week, one of the things that just immediately popped into my mind. So if you don't know Heather uh, Heipel, so Heather was a part of our original plant team. And so she was here to start children's ministry, right? So she gets together, she starts children's ministry, kind of runs, it, runs its course, chooses, you know, to allow somebody else to take it over. Then she jumps into youth ministry and she had a youth small group that she spent time with, you know, from the time that they were in middle school all the way through high school, those kids graduated. Now she's in the process of bringing her expertise when it comes to kids with special needs and being able to start a ministry here at the church that allows you know, parents that, that deal with those things to be able to come to church with the, uh, the forged ministry so that they can be partnered with buddies. So if you wanna talk about living legacy, you know, someone who chooses to continue to move where God wants them to move, right? Because you see this a lot of time with people. You do something, you know, and it runs its course, and you just don't do anything else, right? Well, I thought I was supposed to be the children's leader. Well, different season, right? So what's God want me to do now? Well, I guess he wants me to be a youth small group leader. Okay, be a youth small group leader. What does God want me to do now? Okay, now I'll be a, you know, a start a ministry. Just think that's cool because that's what we've been talking about. If this is going to work, you have to evolve with where God wants you for the rest of your life. Right? That, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to keep moving to the places that God, because you're going to get called to something, and you're going to do it for a while, and then pretty soon it's going to be like, hmm, I guess it's something else. And then a lot of people in that moment get discouraged because they thought that was it. So I just want to encourage you that if you keep listening and keep moving on, same with Karen, that she's you know willing to be a buddy, step up into something that was unknown, get out of her comfort zone, be able to do that. And the ministry itself, right? So if you are listening online or if you're here today and you know a family, again, because this is a barrier for some families. I want to come to church, but what do I do with my kids? Right, that is a barrier, right? And so as the body of Christ, right, preaching the gospel means removing barriers, period. Right, it's not just preaching the gospel. Part of preaching the gospel is removing barriers so that people can hear, so that people can experience. So part of that is, again, like Heather said, the, the barrier to this ministry growing is people, buddies. People who are willing to say, you know what, I'm gonna step up, I'm gonna be a part of, I'm willing to give up you know, one service as an opportunity to be one-on-one. -on -one. And I would love to see it not just be for kids, it'd be for, you know, uh, for youth and move on into adults. Like whatever that looks like, we should never be the barrier of the gospel spreading. There is enough people at Life Church to, if somebody needs it, we should be able to step up and do it. 
All right, so if you want to get involved, so if you go on your app, you can just get on your app and, you know, on the volunteer part of the app, sign in, say, hey, I, I want to be involved. I saw the Forge video, see Keeley, see Heather there, there in the back. Either one of them, they'll get you involved. Uh, and if you can't figure out any of that stuff, grab a Connect card from the back and just write on there and we'll get a hold of you. Good? All right, so <clears throat> we are finishing up this series called Living Legacy. Now, I have to tell you some things that I've been pondering this week. So when it comes to me, one of the things when it comes to messages, you put something together, then you ponder it all week, and you're trying to decide, does it work, does it, doesn't, does it not work? One of the things that had been on my heart was this idea that I want to become something, and when I want to become something, I tend to look at people that are doing it, right, and I try to see the things that they're doing. Like, I'm a I'm a, a student of people's lives. Like, I want to read books about them. I want to understand them. I want to know what they're doing. And then I want to try to emulate those things or be able to do some of those things on how it fits in my own life. And so what I thought of, though, this week is I never know, because this is kind of where I'm at in life. I'm kind of at that halfway point. Anybody else there? You know what I mean? You're, you're like on the downward, like your years left you know, aren't near as many, you know, as before. So you're on that, you're on the second half of life. And the thing that kept going through my mind is, I wonder how I'll finish. You know what I mean? Like, will I finish well? Like, that's been, that's been on my heart. You know, you, you run hard, you build, you, you do everything you can. Will I finish well? So I went on a quest. I'm like, I wonder these people that I looked up to in the beginning, I wonder how many of them are finishing well. Right, because most of these people were older, so they're really finishing at this part of their life. The amazing thing to me, 90% of the, the people that I looked up to, whether they were pastors, business leaders, uh, people in a profession that, that I looked up to, most of them had burned out, flamed out, and are just completely non-existent now, right? Got in trouble inside of their business, did things inside of their business, uh, did things inside of their church, lost all of their influence, you know, in their ministry. Like, things just went on a spiral. And I'm thinking, how is it, right? Because this is the, the, would be the problem with this series. How is it that we get super excited about leaving a legacy and we start running, right? But we can't sustain the run, right? What the, 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 the problem would be that we don't have the tools in place to allow God to not just mold us for a moment, but to continue to mold us over and over and over and over again till the day that we die, so that when we get to the end of our life, this is, I would hope this is the most important thing for all of us. At the end of your life, I hope every single person in this room yearns to hear this. Well done. Good job, right? You did it. You made it. You got to the end. And you see this throughout Scripture. You finished well. Right? Anybody want to finish well? Right. Like, I want to finish well. I don't want to lose momentum. I don't, want to, I don't want to end up like the people that built fast, worked hard, and then all of a sudden, the rest of your life. You destroy, because this is what could happen. Listen to me. The decisions that you make in your life, it only takes one or two decisions to destroy your entire legacy. Anybody? You've seen it. You've experienced it. Doesn't mean God can't build it up. Doesn't mean God can't bring it back. But I'm telling you, you are one or two decisions away from everything that you've worked for could be gone in a moment. 
everything that you've tried to build up, all the work that you've put in. So I want to spend today looking at the life of Abraham because I think it's a pretty interesting story. Like if you've been in church, most people in church know Abraham. You could sing the song. Five Abraham had many sons. Come on. See? Like you look and you talk about Abraham, whether you're a fully devoted follower of Christ or not, you usually like Abraham and you can sing the songs and you can have an idea of what was going on in Abraham's life. And most of us know part of the story, right? I would say most of us know the story, like Abraham was called, and Abraham did, and Abraham made some mistakes, but Abraham, all that he did was incredible, right? Like we look at a section of his life, but I want to look at the entirety of his life, because I think if you look at the entirety of his life, I think you might be surprised how it ended, right? I think you might be surprised that when you get to the end of all of this, when you look at the life of Abraham, I would say in the standards of people, you would be like, hey, I don't want to end up like that, right? Like, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to give up everything to end up like that. But what we're going to see is, is that Abraham started in a way, and in the process, right, this, this is what happened with Abraham. And we're going to read about it here in a second. So Abraham gets to the end of his life, and this is what he says. He died his last breath, a satisfied man, Right? started, and here's, here's what you're going to see. This is what's so cool. How did he get to the end of his life, what we all want? Die satisfied. I did it. I made it. I ran the race. I finished well. I, I got through it all. I didn't fall away. I didn't, you know, I didn't drift. I, you know, I stuck with the, what God wanted. How do we get to that point? And what you're going to see is a process that God did in Abraham over time that gave him the ability at the end of his life to say this, satisfied finished, and I did it. All right, so if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Genesis 25, and this is, we're going to look at verses 7 through 11, and here's what you're going to see. This is the end of Abraham's life, and I want to paint this picture of the end of Abraham's life and the things that he was experiencing. So here's what it says, Genesis 25, 7 through 11. These are all the years of Abraham's life that he lived 175 years, and Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man satisfied with life. As he gathered to his people, then his sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him in the cave of Machpelah and in the field of Ephron and the son of Zohar, the Hittite, facing Merameh, Merameh, ah, whatever, uh, to the field which Abraham purchased uh, from his sons of Heth. Then Abraham was buried with his wife, Sarah, and it came about after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son, Isaac, and Isaac lived by bear, and I'll never be able to say this, bear la roy, but we're going to explain what it means later. So get this picture. Remember the beginning? Remember the promise of Abraham? So Abraham, if you leave, what's God going to do? Lots of kids, right? Great nation, promised land, right? Like he's going to be, like it's going to be a huge, if you do this, 
This is what you're going to get, right? This huge promise. So all of us are thinking, hey, here's Abraham. And as he does this, he's surely got to have lots of kids. Surely his kids got to turn out good. Surely he's going to accumulate land. Surely he's going to accumulate wealth. Like surely a man who, sorry, should not talk with my hands. Thanks, son. <laughs> so, Here's a man that you would look at the beginning of a story and you would assume this. As an obedient man, the result of his life, when, when he gets to the place where he's satisfied with life, it would have been because all of the promises were fulfilled. Wouldn't you think? Right? Like if you're looking at the beginning, but put yourself in this position. So here you are dying. You know how much Abraham owned at the end of his life? one acre of land and a cave that he was getting ready to be buried in. Did he make it to the promised land? How many sons did he have? Right, think about this. Sons that he had. So he had eight children. How many were there as he was dying? Two. Anybody like, this is a train wreck. I mean, put yourself in this position, right? You build up your business, you build up your company, you did everything that you were supposed to do right, you had all these kids, God promised you children, you ended up having children. The majority of them don't even like you. In fact, the end of it, the end of it, only one of eight was blessed. You were supposed to get the promised land and you own one acre in a cave that you're gonna be buried in. Anybody getting to the end of your life, now be honest. Are you at the end of your life and you'll be like, just like I dreamed. <laughs> right? So how? Right, this is the key. So how does Abraham, from the beginning, right, of a man like most of us, God promised by faith, he walked, he did, could get to the end of his life and by the world's terms, right, by the world's terminology, he was a failure. Anybody agree? Like if you were looking at him, would you look at him and say, that's somebody I want to model my life. I want to end my life with a cave, seven sons that don't like me, right, with really nothing to my name, dying my last breath. Anybody saying like that in the world that that's good? No, we don't, right? We look at it and we're saying, this isn't good. But at the end of Abraham's life, he's sitting there saying, oh, I did it and I'm satisfied. How do you get there? What's the process that God took Abraham through? And what is the process? Because here's what you're gonna find. Whether you like this or not, here's, here's the funny thing. Even when you're dying, even if you have accumulated a lot, when you're dead, you have nothing. So conceptually, even though you might end up at the, the end of your life with a lot of stuff and some kids that like you, right? Even at the end of all that, when you're gone, right? Are you walking away satisfied? Are you walking away with a sense of peace when you take your last breath that you did everything that you could do? Are you walking away with the sense that I am satisfied because I did all that I could? 
and the rest was up to God. So let's look at the process. That's what we're gonna look like. Look at look at the process, and I think there's three things that God did with Abraham that I think he needs to do with all of us. Now, a little bit different probably for each individual person, but I do think these three things are things that he worked through with him, and that if he works through with us in a broad sense, that he could do the same work inside of us. The first one is acceptance, and we're gonna go through each one of these. You'll see them. So acceptance like, what do we do and what do we understand about acceptance? Abundance, what do we do with our stuff? How do we handle our stuff? And who are you accountable to? Right, those three things, right? So understanding from the beginning, acceptance, where do you find your identity? Big deal today. Identity crisis, like we are in an identity crisis in our world today. How you know and understand your identity? What do we do with all of this stuff? You live in America, you have more crap than anybody in the world. If you don't think so, move once, right? Like you think you don't have much until you move, right? And then you're all of a sudden like, where did all this crap come from, right? How did we accumulate all of these things? So what do you do with abundance and how do you handle it? And the last one is, what do you do with accountability? Who are you accountable to? At the end of the day, how do you make decisions in your life based upon accountability, right? So what he did with Abraham, I think he can do inside of each one of us, and we'll work through it in that way. So Genesis 12, 1 through 5, this is back to the beginning, right? Genesis 12, starting in verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all of the people on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he sent out for Haran, and he took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all of his possessions they had accumulated, and the people that they had acquired from Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So back to the beginning. What does it say? The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and from your people and from your father's household to the land that I will show you. Drop down to verse four. When he went, what did he take? All of his people, all of his stuff, and everything that he acquired. Did you notice that? Like we all celebrate, Abraham did it. He left everything. God told him to literally leave everything, but what did he take with him, right? The things around him, right? The things around him that would make him comfortable and the things that would give him a sense of acceptance because here's what he knew. Now think about this. If you were gonna go into a new land, Right, think about this for a second. If you were gonna go into a new land, wouldn't you want some people around you? Because can you imagine what other people are gonna say about you if you're just wandering around out there with you and your wife and the camel? Right, like what are you doing? Are you, but if you show up with an entourage, hey, what are people thinking? Is this making any sense, right? Like, if you take everything, see, Abraham, we already know this. Abraham, like most of us, craved acceptance, right? Abraham, like most of us, was a people pleaser by nature. Like a lot of you guys, I don't care what people think. Bet you do. 
I bet you care what a few people think. You might not care what the majority says. Anybody? Like you're not going to give in to the majority, but you do care about a couple. Deep down inside of us, we care about what a few people think, whether it's a lot of people. Some of us struggle with a lot of people pleasing, like you care what everybody thinks. Some of us care what a few people think. We all crave acceptance. So if he shows up with his people and his, and his stuff and all the things that he acquired and his wealth and his herds and his, like everything, he's going to be accepted, right? In fact, if you look at Abraham, you would know that in his life, he was struggling with acceptance. And we, right, if you want to leave a legacy that lasts forever, you got to figure out this identity thing, okay? So how do we know, uh, first of all, that he struggled with identity, but he was getting better? Here's how we know. Do you remember when they weren't able to have a kid? Right, so like timeline, that the, they don't think the timeline's good, and so his wife decides, hey, I got a good idea, right? Remember her idea? Like you should probably sleep with the maidservant, okay? Now, any guy in his right mind's thinking, dude, bad idea, right? Hard enough to take care of one, add on another one, right? Like there's no way that we want to be able to do that. But again, in Abraham's mind, here's like, I'm going to add this in and some of you guys are going to be mad at me, but he had this wife that just kept, you should sleep with her, you should sleep with her, you should sleep with her, to the point where he listened to his wife. Why? One, because she was nagging, and the other one was because at the end of the day, something to please her, something to make her happy. You see that? Right? Had to do something to appease her, something to make her happy. Now, fast forward. They have a kid. God says, sacrifice your son Isaac. Do you think Abraham was like, hey, Sarah, what do you think? Right? You think I should sacrifice Isaac? No, he wasn't. He wasn't. You know why he wasn't going to talk to her? Because he knew inside there was going to be this tendency. He's going to try to talk me out of it. Right, she's gonna try to get, she's gonna try to reason, and inside of me, I gotta get past this people-pleasing thing, and I gotta get to the place where I can obey God. Right? I gotta get to the place that no matter what anybody else says or thinks, I'm going to do whatever it is that God has called me to do. You know, whatever that stuff is, right? And however we need to do that. So with us, right, as people pleasers, right? This is what I want you to think about for a second. What is it that in your life God wants you to do or what is it that, that, that you need to do differently but you don't because you crave the applause or you crave the acceptance or you crave you know, people um, making your life comfortable because they accept the things that you're doing? Does that make any sense? Like, what are those things that you're doing or what are those things that, that you're craving from an acceptance? Because think about this. I think this is probably true. Like, I don't think anybody would say, oh my gosh, I really struggle with my identity. Like, you might at some point say that. But you know what's funny when you, when you take pictures? Never take a picture and then somebody has to look at it. You've never done that? Like, take a picture and then somebody has to grab the phone and then you see them grab the phone and you know what they're doing? They're going... What do you think they're looking at? Anybody? You're looking at yourself. You're not looking at the whole picture, how it turned out. You're like, okay, do it again. And you got these crazy kids, and they're trying to stay in the picture, and you're like, oh, my gosh, do it again. 
do it again. I'm like, and that's just, that's funny, right? Like, why do you have to keep taking pictures just so you look right? The rest of us? Like, what about the rest of us, right? But what that does or what that brings up is this idea, right, or this feeling inside of everybody that, that, that your identity determined by what people see of you, right? And that's just a, a funny way to look at it from pictures, but I see this all the time. High school kids and middle school kids making decisions today. They're making decisions that they know are detrimental, but it's more important to make this decision. They're making detrimental decisions in relationships today, especially young girls, right? Young girls making detrimental decisions because they are craving the acceptance of who? A boy. I'm like, oh, that never happens. Oh my gosh. This is happening all the time, right? Young women making decisions that they know in their mind aren't good decisions, but they make them because they know, right? They know that the acceptance of a man or acceptance of a young man is what they need, right? Inside of them, they think that that's what they need. Same concept. You know why guys, right? Listen to me, girls. Guys know this. Like guys know this idea that, that you're craving those types of things, right? And so they know how to play the game. They know how to give you what you want so they can get what they want. None of the guys are going, mm-hmm. <laughs> In their mind, they're like, mm-hmm. They do. Like they get and they understand how to be able to play the game. We've got to get to the place because the greatest barrier, listen to me, the greatest barrier to you living a legacy and finishing well is understanding your identity before anything else, before any decision that you ever make. In fact, listen to this. This is Matthew 13, 13 through 17. This is Jesus uh, in his baptism. Then Jesus came to Galilee, to the Jordan, to be baptized by John. John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And, and do, you come, do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open, and uh, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and uh, alighting on him. Now, this is the key verse. Listen to what he says. And a voice from heaven said this, this is my son who I love, and I am what? Well, please, now think about it. At this point in Jesus' ministry, what has he done? Hasn't done any miracles? Hasn't died on the cross? Hasn't sacrificed? I mean, he's just grown up, right? Born into, living the life, shows up, gets baptized. God looks at him and says, I love you and I am pleased with you, not based upon anything that you have done or anything that you will do, but because you are my son. You see, part of us, our problem is you think that God's love is determined by what you could do. It's not. God loves you in spite of you. You should be excited about that. <laughs> God loves you even when you make stupid decisions. 
right? You are still, listen to me, you are still a son and daughter of the king regardless of the actions of your life. But the thing that you need to start thinking about, so act like one. Act like one. He loves you. He cares for you. Your, your identity and every decision that you make, listen to me, every decision that you make is based upon who you are. You should make every decision in your life based upon this idea. Because I am a son of the king, I will make this decision because that's my identity. Because I am a daughter of the king, this is the, my identity. This is why I'll make that decision. And if you do that, right, this is how Abraham got to the point where he could say, I'm going to sacrifice my son Isaac. I'm going to make this decisions. Why? Because my dad told me to do it. I'm the son of the king. I'm going to do the things that he tells us to do. So understanding identity is an important part. Here's the next one. What do you do with your abundance, right? The understanding of abundance, right, and whether it gives you value or not will affect whether you can leave a legacy. Genesis 13, 8 through 9. So Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. If not, the whole land before you is not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. Now, <laughs> I want you to put this into perspective for a second. So here they are. They're both sheep herders, goat herders, right? They have a herd, right? Now, if you're an animal farmer, right, and, and if you're thinking about it from this concept, over here is where your animals can survive on the right, land you know, grass, water. To the left is barren, can't sustain, can't do. And Abraham is now at a point in his life where he's saying, I don't really care. You could have the good stuff. Just go ahead and go over here. I know if, I, if you go right and you take all the good stuff, I'm going to have to go to the left where the land's crappy, right? You tracking with me? <laughs> like you're going to go over here and there's a chance that your herd is not going to survive. Right? Now think about this. Jay, you're a farmer, right? Now, think about this from this concept. Here, here are farmers, right? And not, again, I'm assuming this because I'm not one, right? But here's the deal. There's good land and there's crappy land. Is that true? Like some land is better than the other land. So let's just say you have a, a guy that, that shows up and he wants to work for you, right? And he's like, well, you know, I want to get in. I want to build into the business. I want to I be a part of this, you know, but to be able to do it, I need some land, right? And you saying, okay, just you go ahead and take all the, the good stuff. I'm just going to take all the crappy ground for myself. You there yet? I don't think you're there and I'm not even trying to, I wouldn't be there, right? Like, or you build a business. Think about this for a second. You build a business. You got any business owners in here? You build a business, you know, and you build it up and you got these clients that are making you money and you got these bums, Right? <laughs> Anybody, like you build a business, so you like, you, you want to bring your son in, you want to bring your daughter in, and you're building up this business, and your, your son's like, well, I want, to, I want to be in the business, right? I want to be a part of what you're doing, and you build it from the ground up, right? You sacrificed it all, and they look at you, and they say, well, I want this part of the business, and you know which part they pick, right? Anybody? You know which part the kids pick, right? The part that's profitable, and that's good, and it's like you saying as a business owner, that's perfect. You go ahead and take that, and I'll go work and start it all over again. Any business owners like sign me up for that? 
Or it's like, you know what, any wives, you got your dream home, you finally got the house you wanted, like you lived in crap for a while and you went around and you built it up, you finally got the place you love. No wives got any places they like? <laughs> wow, <laughs> I guess there's some work to do. But you know what I mean? You finally got this place that you love and then all of a sudden your kids are like, you know, I don't really have a place to live and I'm gonna need a place to live. It's really hard for me to get a place to live. It's like you mom saying, you know what? You haven't worked for anything. I've worked my whole life for this. You can just go ahead and have my house and we'll start over again. Moms, I know you love your children. Are you doing that? No. So how does Abraham get to the point where he could look at Lot and say, you know what? At the end of the day, I don't care where you go. I know it might cost me money. It might cost me my flock. It might cost me everything in my business. But right now, you make the decision because the most important decision for me, this is what he's saying, is not my abundance or my stuff. How do you get there? How do you get to the place where you can just say, okay, we'll just make this decision. I know it's gonna cost me something. Well, here's what we know. Abraham, because of the way God worked with him, because he wasn't this way in the beginning, that's why he took all this stuff, right? In the beginning, Abraham took all of his stuff because he liked his stuff to the point where he's okay with parting with it. It's because he understood something, right? He understood that his abundance had nothing to do with him and everything to do with who? Is this true? Jay's farm, your business, is the abundance of everything that you've been given, given to you by God or by you? Easy to say, right? Like we process it all, we do it all. And again, it's not like God's saying like you should give up everything, but he is saying this. If you live with closed fists, you will never leave a legacy for the rest of your life. You're gonna hold on to it all. And guess what happens at the end? You know what happens at the end when you, when you hold on to it all? Somebody's getting it and there's a good chance they're gonna fight over. Open hands just mean you might have something at the end, but you don't really care and you've made plans and you're gonna give it all away and it's super easy and you're gonna walk down that road and it makes sense, right? He got to that place and that's what he needs to do with each one of us, right? The legacy for us, right? The thing that we need to process, do you live with a scarcity mindset? Are you worried it's all gonna run out? You know, somebody asked me the other day, like, what's your, what's your retirement plan? Death. <laughs> I ain't got one. Haven't been saving up. There ain't no 401k. There ain't, there ain't nothing. I'm not worried about running out of stuff. I'm worried about running out of time. That's what I'm worried about. Like, I'm pretty sure like, if God wants me here, He's gonna keep me here and give me the ability to do ministry till I can't do it anymore and then he's just gonna kill me off, right? <laughs> However that works, but I'm pretty sure that's the way that it's gonna work. So at the end of it, I don't need to plan for making it to the end. I just need to be planned to be effective till the end because I don't mind, right? Like I've watched this too much. I don't mind if there's one acre and a cave and nothing left because there ain't nothing for you to fight over. 
right? So I just want to live in that way. And if we can get to that point, right, where we don't live with a scarcity mindset, where we don't live with this idea that we might run out and we just live our life, not saying that you just give everything away, but you live in, as if, if God asked you to give, what would you do? You're going to give it, whether it's a little, whether it's a lot, whatever those things are. He settled that inside of, of Abraham's life and gave him the ability to be able to leave that legacy. Here's the last one. Who you are accountable to matters, right? So who you are accountable to matters. So think about this for a second. Every good boss, right? So if you have a good boss, here's what we know. So 50 hours of your week, that's what a normal person works, 50, 55 hours a week. Your boss gives you a scorecard, right? Here's the scorecard. This is a win, 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 and this is a loss. If you want to win, do these things. So every good boss, guess what happens? If you go down the road and make decisions, right, with this idea of accountability, so if you make a decision and that decision is not a win, what should your boss do? Hold you accountable, right? Am I not, is this out, not making sense? Right, so here's a scorecard. These are the things that you're supposed to do. If you're not doing them, a good boss will say, this, was a, this is the win, I'm gonna hold you accountable to the win, right? Because everybody, whether you like accountability or not, you at least like clarity or definition of what a win and a loss is, right? And, and accountability helps keep people on track. When you lose accountability, you tend to go down a road and create your own scorecard. Anybody had one of those employees before? Have you ever been one of those employees before? Right? Where your boss didn't do a good job of creating a scorecard for you, so you created your own. You went down the road. You decided what your own wins were. You didn't really have any accountability. Then you get down to the end of this, and everybody's like, what are you doing? What I wanted to. Because here's the problem. They were accountable to no one. You know, most people that get in trouble in life, like we always wonder, how did a kid get here? You ever wonder that? Or how did you get here? You know how you usually got there? Because you had no accountability. You know what I mean? Like nobody to be like, nobody holds you accountable to the things that you said you were going to be. So in that, all of us, 60 hours of our week, 50 hours of our week, we have an accountability, a scorecard, something that we're supposed to do every single day. We can wake up and we can say this is a win. What about the other 118 hours? Who are you accountable to? Think about this for a second, because you get a decision with the 118, because people are like, well, I can't really make a difference, and I can't leave a legacy. All I do is ever, only thing I ever do is, you do not work 168 hours a week. I know some of you work a lot more than 50 or 60, but you don't work 168 hours a week. You get choices with your time. The decisions that you make with your time in those places, right, are those decisions made with accountability? And if they are, to who? Who are you ultimately going to be held accountable to? This is what it says at the end of, you know, for, for Abraham. He says this at the end. Go back to verse eight. Abraham breathed his last and died a good old age, a man satisfied with his life. How could a man be satisfied at the end of his life with nothing? How could he be satisfied at the end of his life when only one of his kids is going to end up getting blessed? How does somebody at the end of their life get satisfied? You know why? Because he knew when he was taking his last breath who he was going to stand in front of 
He knew when he was done with his life that he was going to stand in front of somebody that was going to hold him accountable. Was he accountable to the other seven kids being crazy? Are you accountable for your crazy kids? You see what I'm saying? You do the best you can, but you're not, you're not responsible for how they turn out. You're responsible to do diligence in the things that you do. You can't make it. If they choose to be off the chain or off the rails, there's only so much you can do about it. There's only so much that you can do about propping up your business and you might lose everything. At the end of the day, you did everything you could. The biggest thing for him, the most important thing for him is at the end of his life, he says, I can stand in front of my God and I can say, I did everything you asked me to do. I can finish with peace in my heart because I did everything that you called me to do and the world might look at my life at the end as a failure, but I'm gonna die in peace because I have, the, my accountability is right. Right? When I get to the end, I don't, have to, I don't have to own up to, I don't have to live up to the standards of what the world says it looks like at the end to die. I don't have to live up to the standards to say you need to die with this and have this and have this in place and all these things and pass on these things. The greatest legacy that Abraham passed on, right, even if it was just one child, was a new way and a new vision of doing life a new way to think through his stuff, a new way to think through acceptance, a new way to understand accountability. And because of those things, you know, he could pass on the legacy that matters. Now, listen to this in 2 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. So when we talk about accountability, I want you to hear this. We do not dare to classify, this is Paul talking. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commended themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Here's the key verse. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you, Acts 20, 24. However, this is Paul talking again, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I'm going to end with this. Worship team, you guys can make your way back up. Here's the cool thing. All right, are you ready? Every single person in this room, this is what's so cool. Every single person in this room has been uniquely designed. Isn't that neat? Like everybody. Not one person in this room, like, you know, when they said, like they used to say this, you know, in uh, kind of a mean way, like, Good thing they broke the mold when they made you. You know what I mean? Like, because you were one of those rotten kids, you know, and your mom would be like, it's a good thing there ain't nobody like you, right? It's a good thing that the rest of the kids aren't like you. But really, it is true, and it is awesome, the idea that God broke the mold when he made you, right? Now, here's the cool thing. Uniquely designed you, uniquely gave you loves, uniquely gave you talents, uniquely gave you gifts, and you know what you're going to be held accountable for? Not what somebody else did. Not that you try to do something. See, I think this is the thing we get caught up in so much. You walk out, I want to leave a legacy. I want to be like, and so then you try to be somebody you're not. Anybody ever go down that road? Like, I want to be like, and then you try, and then it doesn't work. You know, like, I'm just not that person, and then you go back, and you don't know what to do. Be you. 
Isn't that cool? You just have to be you in the unique way that God made you, in the unique time that you're in, in the unique situation that you're in. Just do it in the way that God has called you to, and you'll be accountable for not what everybody else is doing, not however many else people are reaching, not what everybody else's kids turn out like, not what everybody else's income status is, but God gave you something. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Understand something. Young people understand something. Age is not an excuse. Well, you know, when I get older, when I get settled, when I get out of school, when I get ready, when I know more about the Bible, no. That is not an excuse. Your responsibility is God gave you something, do something with it. Right? Age shouldn't matter. Same thing. Older people. I ran my course, I did all the work, I've been there, let the younger people do that. No, you are older and wiser for a reason. Get back in the game. You don't, you don't step out and let somebody else step in. You stay in and help us that are younger. Right? Give us wisdom in the way that we need to do those things. That's the most important thing, right? is that we can get to that place that we can be able to do those things and we can be able to pass on that life. Because here's how it ends. Verse 11, here's what he says. It came about that the death of Abraham, that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac lived by that word that I can't say, right? Bear, la, hoya, whatever it is. Well, here's what it means, right? This place was a well that Hagar named, and it was when she was going through her, her struggles, and she went to that place, and she named that well that place for this reason, right? She named it because God saw her in the midst of her sorrows, right? That's, what, that's why they named it that. And translated into English, this is how it translates. It translates the well for the vision of life. So when it says at the end, Isaac lived in this place, it wasn't an actual place. Isaac lived, and the reason that he was blessed was because he lived with a different vision for life. Does that make sense? Like he's living with a different way of seeing things. He's living with an understanding of, of acceptance that's not what the world thinks. He's living with this idea that abundance that I've been given by God was to be able to give away, that I am accountable to the one who's, who's gonna, I'm gonna stand in front of at the end of my life. He sees the world differently. And if we would live that way, right? if you would live that way, if we would live that way, you're gonna finish this race. At some point, you're gonna be just like Paul. My only aim is to finish the race, finish it well, stand in front of God and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because I'm comparing myself to anybody else or not that I'm doing what anybody else does, but I'm at least running my race, doing the thing that God has called me to do. Will you stand so I can pray for you? Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you. Um, that you've given us new vision. Lord, help us understand today that identity matters. Lord, we are sons and daughters of the King. Help us surrender to that fact. Lord, help us to get to the place where we under look at our abundance, that we can get to the place where we understand that none of it is ours, that we're gonna use it to further your kingdom. Lord, and let us understand to surrender to this idea who we are accountable to matters. And we're accountable to you, Lord. 
Let our life be a living legacy, Lord, because we allow you to work through each one of us. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray, amen.